Well, good morning. It's, it's a wonderful day to gather together. And what a beautiful sight it is to see the Lord has entrusted us with so many little ones. That is a, a great thing. I hope you've taken the opportunity this morning to check out the foyer where there's several ministries you can sign up to serve. <clears throat> Just a host of those. I pray that you would take advantage of serving this semester uh, in a ministry of Grace Bible. Well, as you know, we've started this series in the Gospel of John. And last week we met John, this witness. And one component that we noted in the Gospel and through the Gospel of John is this host of witnesses. All these witnesses that, that force us as listeners and as readers to consider, what do I do with Jesus? What do I do with this Lamb? What do I do with the love of God Show me in Christ? What do I do with this now? So last week we met John, and John received messengers who were sent from the Pharisees, these trained religious leaders, priests and scribes, sent from the Pharisees. And he sent them away with clear understandings. John told them as he fulfilled the commission that God had given to his life, clearly who he was, who he was not, and his clear understanding of the glory of God, the one that would come after him that he prepared the way for. Now this morning, we see another. John meets the Lamb. He meets the Lamb, not sent from the Pharisees, but he meets the Lamb sent from above, who has come and take on flesh and dwelt among us. And if you're a person that works by, by word pictures or by images, I want you in your mind to think of three images. First, I want you to, to imagine this beautiful Lamb. Beautiful Lamb. And second, I want you to imagine this, this wonderful dove. And the third image I want you to imagine is this dove landing on the Lamb and remaining on the Lamb. Three images. That's what we're focusing on this morning. These three images as John meets the Lamb. And my prayer for us, my hope for us this morning here early on in the Gospel of John is that our hearts would move, our hearts would be moved, our, our minds would be moved, and our lives would be moved to do what the disciples of John the Baptist do. When they behold the Lamb, they leave John and they follow after the Lamb. That God, by His grace and His love through the Spirit, that we would be moved to follow the Lord with our minds, with our desires and, and our will, and with our lives and our lips. So, let's look first, and let me tell you about the Lamb. Let me tell you about the Lamb. Look at verse 29. We're going to note three components, three insights about the Lamb, that first image that you were to imagine in your head. Now, there's several places in the Bible where the gospel message is contained in just a verse or two. Just a verse or two. On audio recordings, you can listen to the Bible in 72 hours or so. You can read the Bible. We read a little quicker than what we can listen to. So uh, you can read the Bible in about 50 or so hours. But there's, a, there's several verses in Scripture where the gospel message, this good news message, what it means, gospel good news, this good news message can be read in just a verse or two. And this is one of those, this declaration that John gives in verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I want to give you a couple others. You can write down just two or three others. You can write down the reference. One of those is, is Romans 1, 16 and 17. Romans 1, 16 and 17, the gospel message, the good news message contained in a nutshell. John gives that proclamation, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's the gospel message in a nutshell. And another one for us to know is Romans 1, 16 through 17. 
For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith by faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This good news gospel we're not ashamed of. It's in the gospel, this good news message of Christ's life, His death, and His resurrection. This power of salvation to all who believe. Jew or Gentile, Jew or Greek, that we then are to live by faith. Marked by faith. Look at Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23 is another one of those references where we can see the gospel story if we try to boil it down into a verse is another one of those. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what's that mean? Just, just take time on these references just to walk through it. Just word, word by word. Word by word. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4. Really, you could read a, a verse or two on, on, on either side in addition to this, but the basic gospel message right here in a nutshell is we behold the Lamb. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, For I delivered to you as of first importance, Paul writing, what I also received. What did you receive, Paul? This creedal gospel message that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, grace, our, our prayer and our hope is that every member, every member would be confident and, and competent to explain this message contained in each of these three or four verses. The gospel message that you would be confident and sensitive to the Spirit to share the gospel with other people. And part of that's just knowing and walking through this beautiful, beautiful good news. So as we behold the Lamb, He takes away the sin of both Jews and Greeks. And here John gives us the name as we walk through John, this gospel. We've spoken that He is the one who is, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word with, with, was God, the Word was with God. And of the Word, we've seen that He is light. And in Him, in Himself, is life. And finally, we see that He has come and taken on flesh and dwelt among us. And now John gives us His name. Now John gives us His name. The next day, he saw Jesus, the Deliverer. We meet Him. Yeshua, Jesus, the Deliverer. Who is the Word made flesh? Who is the One who is with God in the beginning? Who is God? Jesus. We know His name. We love to hear our name, don't we? Isn't that one of our favorite things? Our names? How beautiful it is to hear your name. Now we hear the name as we're listening to the Gospel of John. Who is this One that changes everything? Who is the Lamb? His name is Jesus. His, his name is Jesus. And he says to behold him, behold him, just like in Isaiah, again and again and again. Behold, behold, behold. Now, John says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Genesis 2, we're told that Abraham is told that, that through his descendant will come one that will bless the nations, bless all the families of the earth. How much of a greater blessing can you receive than having your forgiveness, the forgiveness of your sins granted? To be adopted. There's no greater message than that. No greater news for you or me than that. That you can be forgiven and adopted and washed clean. What love of God do we have in Christ? And His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. 
This is good news as we consider the Lamb. He takes away the sin of both Jews and Gentiles. Do you know Jesus? At that declaration, behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, what their mind must have thought of. A month ago as we walked through Isaiah's servant songs, you think they thought of we all like sheep have gone astray. The iniquity of us all was laid upon Him. Now the Lamb had come, the eternal Son had taken on flesh and dwelt among us. And yes, the passion suffering would happen later, but even His life in this time is an act of suffering. That the Son would, would be poured out in a way that He would take on flesh and dwell among us. Not ceasing to be divine, but taking on the full nature of a man. What love walking in the wilderness out to Bethany to meet John, to hear the declaration that John would give, behold the sin, or behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Who do you say Jesus is? That's the question we have right away on the first image. Who is the Lamb? Who do you say Jesus is? He's more than a good teacher. He is the Lamb who takes away your sin. Has He taken away your sin? Do you know Him? That's the good news of the Gospel of John. The good news causes us right away as hearers to respond. We have to do something with this declaration. And we'll see what John's disciples will do later on. But let's continue on. Let me tell you more about the Lamb. We see in verse 30, He is before the man who was before Him. He is before the man who was before Him. That's what He says in verse 30. He said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. This is interesting language. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around children. I'm assuming you were because there were like 495 of them just walked out a minute ago. But when you ask a child who's older, whether they're siblings or friends, you know, what, you know who speaks up? The one who's older. I'm older. With joy and a smile on their face. You know what happens when you ask adults who's older? They respond, the younger one says, I'm younger, with a smile on their face. But with John and, and, and Jesus, they both would have smiled. For even though John came first, he says of the Lamb, He was before me. He was before me, for the, the Son is eternal. The Son never had a date in which He was created or began. He is eternally from the Father, of the Father. And yet the Son came and there is a date in which the Son would take on flesh and dwell among us, born of a virgin. So John can look at the Lamb and say, Behold, the One that I prepared a way for, He was before me. That's who the Lamb is. Do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Third, He is the One for whom the prophets prepared the way. John prepares the way for Jesus. We know that. He's the forerunner. But all the prophets ultimately prepare the way to Jesus. They all point forward to Jesus. The climax of the story, the plot twist of the story, verse 31. He says it that way, I, I myself did not know Him. Before this purpose I came baptizing with water that He might be revealed to Israel. The prophets all ultimately looked forward to Jesus. As in, in His baptism, and, and all the Gospels speak of His baptism, I think this is what's being spoken of here, Matthew 3 gives us a lot of clarity and detail into this scene. But part of what takes place with the baptism, John is going out in the wilderness and he's baptizing people with a baptism of repentance. What's that mean? He's coming and he's 
tenderizing the meat before it gets grilled. He's coming out proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of God is is near. And so people are softening their hearts in anticipation for the Messiah, the promised one of God who was to come. So so their baptism is is one of repentance. But we know the one that will come after will baptize spirit and truth. He will baptize in the spirit. It's, It's positive affirmation that will take place. The baptism that takes place that John gives is one of a declaration of the identity of Jesus. For it gives him a clarity of who Jesus is. It gives Israel a clarity of who Jesus is. He says, I came baptizing with water that He might be revealed to Israel. We have this declaration, this scene. We'll we'll see more about the dove in a moment, the Spirit. But the baptism solidifies and clarifies graciously, not simply for Israel who's gathering out in the wilderness, many in Israel, but also for John the Baptist, a certainty of who Jesus is. Yes, He's His cousin. They would have ministered in different areas, Judea to the south, Galilee where to the north. But a clarity of the identity of the Lamb takes place in the baptism, this preparation. All the prophets ultimately look forward as they're moved by the Spirit, speaking of Jesus, the Lamb. What a joy it is to give good news that He might be revealed to Israel. It is a joy to reveal good news, isn't it? What a joy it is to reveal, to bring to understanding people good news. There are few greater things than giving people good news. To reveal it. They didn't know and now they know. They didn't know and now they know. Now I know spiritually and of course physically, new life is good news. It's great news. It's some of the greatest news that you can experience and you can share with someone. Truly. Just as spiritual life is a gift of God, physical life is a gift of God. So I'm speaking in a way not to, not to move you, but just an honest way here. But physically, we know birth and pregnancy is a gift of God. What a gift of God. And, and many have walked through for my wife and I, and our, we had uh, a season of infertility that lasted for many years. And I remember when we were, so it took us several years to, uh, uh, for Sarah to get pregnant. And in this season, I remember when I was younger, and we just thought, well, it'll happen just automatically, of course. And, and so you, you begin to dream when we're like, let's have kids, this is going to be awesome. Can't wait. And you begin to dream in your mind, I don't know if you did this, but I did this, we did this. We started to think about how we would share this with family. And it was one of the funnest thought exercises to do. I was like, I know what we can do, you know, and we're kind of imagining what it'll be like. We'll tell them this way. We'll tell them the good news this way, that they're going to be grandparents. And then months become years. And years go by, and you begin to feel hopeless and crushing. Because you're thinking, I'm never going to have the opportunities to reveal this good news with people that I love and care for. Many in our congregation have walked, are walking, or will walk seasons of infertility, to which you may never be able to share that good news. The good news of the gospel is in a prayer for us is that God would give us that same urgency and desire and vision and dream of being able to share the good news of eternal life, to reveal that with others. And it's a charge and it's a call and it's a good news that God has entrusted to each of us, young and old alike, to share it with others, to be revealers of this good news just as the baptism that took place 
revealed clearly for John and for Israel who the Lamb is. That's good news. And what a prayer for us. God, would you give me in my heart that same urgency and desire, just like I had for, for months and years, and thinking through, God, would you, would you please give me a chance to share this good news? Would you give us good news and give us a chance to share it? What a prayer for us as a congregation that in our lives, that God would give us that same type of yearning and desire to share the news of the gospel, the news of the Lamb to reveal Him to our family and our friends, those we love, our neighbors. What a conviction point. What a prayer. What a joy it is to share good news. Amen? We've heard about the Lamb. Now let me tell you about the dove. Let me tell you about the dove. We see first in verse 32 and 33 that he was sent by God to remain on the Lamb. He was sent by God to remain on the Lamb. We'll see that he descends. We noted that as Jonathan, one of our elders, read that for us in 32 and 33. The Spirit, he gives life. In him is life. Jesus will say that in John chapter 6. As well, He gives life. In Genesis 1, the Spirit hovered over the waters and brings form from void. So what's significant about this for us? And we'll, we'll speak about the Spirit a lot in the Gospel of John because He's everywhere in the Gospel of John. For He comes on Jesus and He remains on Jesus. Now, for us as we read that today as New Testament believers, that doesn't sound that exciting or that significant. Because all those, you confess faith in Christ, you're brought to newness of, of life by grace. And the Spirit of God, He rests upon us. As a guarantee, until we receive the fullness of our inheritance in Christ for the glory of God. So as a believer, the Holy Spirit, He indwells us. He doesn't leave us, He indwells us. Third person of the Trinity, He indwells us. He's called the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Christ. The person, He, the Holy Spirit. And we hear that, and that doesn't maybe seem too significant to us. But remember our servant songs in Isaiah, in Isaiah 42, it said, of the servant that was to come, the Spirit would remain on him. And the Spirit, to this point in the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Old Testament, the Spirit would come for a time and He would leave, oftentimes. And when He would leave, things would go south. Which I live in the south now, it's not a bad thing, I don't know why that expression exists. But in the Midwest, they say it all the time. You should know that. It's true. I don't know. But things go bad. So when the Spirit leaves the temple, I mean, just bad stuff happens. When the Spirit is on Saul to lead Israel as a king, it's wonderful. When the Spirit leaves Saul, so too does the kingdom leave Saul. But there's one that comes and the Spirit abides on him. And his name is David, King David. And God promises him. That one of his descendants will come. The Spirit will remain on him. The, king, the, 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 the throne will never depart from him. And so could it be early on we see of the Spirit's work here that the Lamb, the one who has life in himself, the one who is light, the one who was with God and is God from the beginning, that in him is fulfilled the promise given to Abraham to bless the nations, the families of the earth, and also the one in whom the Spirit will remain. The one who David will have, a, one who will sit on his throne forever. Could that be Jesus? Could that be the Lamb? 
That's what He the Spirit does as He descends and He comes on. And secondly, we note in verse 34 that He the Spirit, the, the dove, He bears witness to the identity of the Lamb, the Son of God. He bears witness. So we're imagining the dove. We've imagined the Lamb. Now we're visualizing the dove. The Spirit descending as a dove from above. Some say heavens. Other gospel accounts give the idea of the heavens opening up. Heavens could be you know, sky, space, those things are literal into, into heaven, heaven. But the Spirit that has descended from above, He bears witness to the identity of the Lamb, the Son of God. This is so important to catch this. Verse 34. As a reminder, he says, and, and I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The Father's proclamation and the Spirit's descending affirmed for John the identity of the Lamb as the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit, that's what He does. The Holy Spirit's coming and descending. He affirms for John this really is the Lamb of God. This really is the Messiah. This really is God with us, Emmanuel. This is Him. That's what the person of the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us and He brings us to life. And He points to Jesus. He points to the Lamb. How beautiful is this reality, the Spirit He gives life. It's the Spirit we see of old in Ezekiel that brings that valley of dry bones scene that gives them life from dry bones. Not just bones, but dry bones. and gives them life and flesh. That's what the Spirit does in our life. He convicts us and He brings us from death to life. To be born again, the Spirit's witness helps John to understand who Jesus is. And the Spirit's witness in your life as a believer, listen, is to understand here that the Spirit brought you from life to death. He's given you that's good news. And so as we, as we share the Gospel, we share about the Lamb with others, so too that means that the Spirit can take the gospel and bring them to life. So every time we share the gospel with anybody, Jew or Greek, all the peoples of the earth, we should be marked with humility, but we should also be marked with hope. For if the Spirit can bring life to dry bones, if the Spirit can bring form from void, if the Spirit can bring us to new life, then can He not work in them? As His descending affirmed for John the identity of the Lamb, so too the Spirit affirms for us the identity of the Lamb. That's good news this morning. So we've imagined the Lamb, we've imagined the Spirit who descends and remains on the Lamb. Now third, let's focus on the Lamb in whom the Spirit remains. Let's imagine the Lamb in whom the dove rests upon. He's not leaving. That's how doves fly. I never quite know what my hands are going to do in emotion. So when I say that, that's all. I mean, we have a lot of ASL people. Is that the word? Is this dove? Is this the motion for dove in our congregation? I don't think it is. Maybe it could be. But I don't think so. Tell me about the lamb who has the dove. Tell me about the lamb who has the dove. We've spoken of the lamb. We've spoken of the dove. Now tell me about the lamb in whom the dove remains. Look what the text says. In 35 and 36, we note first that, that He is worth spending all of our influence. 
the lamb in whom the dove remains, he is worth spending all of our influence, collectively and individually, toward bringing others to behold him. He is worth spending all of our influence toward bringing others to behold him. John has his disciples, these students that are following after him, learning from him, watching him, abiding in his teaching. Look at 35 and 36 again. The next day again, so they slept, it's the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. One of those later we'll find is Andrew. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God. So, think about the beauty of the scene. In that culture, disciples, students of, learners of, these men, the two men that are with him, would have left whatever they were doing and they would have followed after him. Now, maybe in evenings when I'd gone back and done some work and things like that, certainly possible. But Andrew and the other disciple followed after John. They like the relationship you think of with the disciples and Jesus. That's the relationship that Andrew had with John the Baptist. They followed after them, heard for his teaching, helped him in his ministry. What do you need? Ministry assistance. They followed after him. We don't know how long they followed after. It could have been months. We don't know. But imagine how tight their relationship was. And all the influence that John the Baptist has in their lives, it's everything. He has so much influence in their lives. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. He takes all the influence he has and he leverages it and he identifies the truth. Behold, the Lamb of God. In our setting, this may sound strange because I know none of us ever had the experience of leaving house and home and relocating to a whole new place to learn from teachers to abide in their teaching for a number of years. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? Like, SFA is right here. It's not that crazy. You pay a lot of money to come here and to learn from teachers and abide in their teaching. Now, why is the teaching given by John the Baptist? It's that so that they could, they weren't coming to pass a test. They weren't coming to get a certificate and walk across the stage. They were coming believing that John the Baptist really was preparing the way for the Messiah that they had been waiting generations and generations and generations for. And so they left things and they came and they followed after him all day. This became their lives of following after John, listening to John, doing what John said, abiding in the teachings of John. And all of that influence, he looks at Jesus walking by and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. He used his influence to point them to accurately understand and know Jesus. Not just to know Jesus, but we'll note in a second, to follow Jesus. God has given each and every one of us a unique season of influence right now. Right now in our lives. A unique season of influence. When you think of a unique season of influence, perhaps you think of your high school years. And you think, wow, what a, what a unique time capsule of influence that God gave. Matter of fact, I'll hear that in many believers' testimonies who 
who are Christians, maybe not actively acting out their faith the way they ought to, or later on in life, they come to Christ and think, I wish I could go back and, and have that influence again. Or people have graduated from college often say that, I wish I was walking the way I should be walking when I was in college. I wish I was walking that way. I wish I was walking after Christ in college like I am today. But adult, listen, every season of influence, God has given us a measure of influence for every single season. So don't be trapped in the past, because right now you have a unique season of influence. Stay-at-home moms have a unique, amazing amount of influence over their little ones right now. But that won't remain forever, will it, moms, that have gotten older? Business owners, you have a unique season of influence for this time of your life. Employees, you have a unique season of influence. Students, you have a unique season of influence with the people in your life. We're all only going to live in our current houses for so long, in our current apartments, our places of residence. You're only going to live there for so long. We're only going to have those neighbors for so long. All of the influence that God has given us is for a season. And what John the Baptist does with the influence that God has given them is he, he longs to give his disciples a clear understanding of the Lamb, knowing that the reality is if they understand who the Lamb is, they're going to do what takes place in verse 37. Look at 37. As we note, secondly, that we will find that there is no greater purpose or joy in life than following after Him. What did they do? The two disciples heard Him say this, and they followed Jesus. In Greek, it's a kuo and a kuotheo. To hear and to follow. Such beautiful, similar sounding words. To hear and to follow. To hear and to follow in English don't sound the same, but they mean the same. Do you know that? To hear and to follow in the Greek, it sounds the same, and it means similar things. In English, it doesn't sound the same, but it means the same. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever been maybe sitting down on the couch and somebody said, hey, will you go do this? And you didn't do it? And what did the person that told you to do it say? What do they say a second time? They don't say it a second time. What do they say? Did you hear me? There's a lot of spouses looking over at each other right now. This is uncomfortable for all of us. Okay. Did you hear me? Because the assumption is if you heard the news that has a command to it, an understanding to the truth, you will do something with it. You will act. When John the Baptist gives a statement, Behold the Lamb of God, it's not a museum. It's not a, this art of like, oh, cool. Like, let me take a picture. That is not what he's saying. This declaration that Behold the Lamb of God is everything John has been teaching to this point to them. These men that have been following after him, listening to him, helping him, assisting in his ministry. The Behold the Lamb of God is goodbye for John. Behold the Lamb of God for John with the men he has the most influence possible with, he knows is, if they're really listening, if they've been listening the whole time, goodbye. For John's purpose isn't to also go and follow after Jesus. His purpose is to continue to teach and preach repentance. The kingdom of God is near. Preparing the way for the Messiah. He identifies the Messiah and the men who are teach, following after him, their purpose is not John's purpose. Their purpose now is they begin to follow after Jesus. And there is no greater 
pleasure or a blessing or purpose in our lives than doing what we're to do when we hear the good news. The identity of the Lamb. He is Jesus. The one in whom the Spirit abides. Our lives are callings then to follow after Jesus. If we hear the good news, this is the calling for our lives, to follow after Jesus. Not to study for a test with it. But to say, Lord Jesus, how then can I follow you in my life? Follow my. So those that have confessed faith, if you haven't confessed faith in Christ, that's it. You've heard the good news. The news of you can have forgiveness of sins and, and relationship and adoption by turning from sin and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your King. The one who lived a sinless life, who died on the cross, who rose again. The Lamb of God who takes away your sin. He resurrected and He ascended to heaven and He will come again soon. You can have life in His name. Your life can be illuminated. The blessing of the wisdom to know Him then and to abide in Him and to be one who calls others this good news to be and make disciples for the glory of God. If you've not done that, confess Him publicly, unashamedly. What joy, what good news then you get to become a sharer of. And for the many of us who have confessed Him, our calling then is to be reminded like this, I know the good news, then how do I follow after it? I'm beholding Him. What's it mean to behold Him right now in the situation where I'm holding a grudge? What's it mean to behold Him right now in this season of my life? Maybe where your health is failing. God, would you give me wisdom of what it means to behold you, the Lamb of God, in this season of my life as a faithful witness? A witness to bear witness of the God who so loved us that He would send His Son for us. Isn't that good news? He's faithful always. Next steps. Next steps. Three next steps questions. Next steps questions are given for us to take a next step. All of us. We're never done walking. Always taking a next step of faithfulness in our lives. Here's three questions you might consider and Perhaps you've already come up with one or two through this text that the Lord has maybe laid particularly heavy on your heart this morning. So in addition to those, I would ask, number one, what influence has God given me to help others behold the Lamb? What influence has God given me to help others to behold the Lamb? Next week in our text, we're going to look at that in more detail. We're going to have an equipping time that's built into our text of how do you share the gospel with somebody? As we look and we learn and we see what Jesus was doing in the disciples, Andrew and others, Philip. But what influence has God given me? And do a life assessment. Take a moment this week to just give a life assessment. What influence has God given you? Time, talents, treasures, resources, people that God's brought into your life. What influence has He given you? And just take a moment and give an influence assessment. And pray, that, and pray to God afterwards, God, would you give me influence? Would you give me wisdom to steward this for your glory? For your glory. Number two, what, has, what have been the sweetest moments of following Jesus over the last year? What have been the sweetest moments? What a fun question to have. What have been the sweetest moments from following Jesus this past year? And write them down and talk to the Lord. Thank the Lord for them. And that goes into third. How, what are you most excited in how the Lord's going to grow you and stretch you in the year to come? In what area of my life am I most excited about seeing Jesus stretch me as I follow after Him and share Him with others? It's exciting, isn't it? If 
Following after Christ is the adventure of our lives. Witnesses who bear witness. Let me pray for us before we stand and, and sing in response. God, man, Christ, response. Father, we thank you that we have life in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, that we truly have real forgiveness in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God, I pray that you would give us a, a growing burden to want to share that good news with others close to us, from inside out, family to friends, the neighbors, others. God, that while we were yet sinners, Christ would die for us and die for them. So give us a joy and a sweetness in sharing this good news. And Father, for the many of us who then are, are yours, we walk after you. We pray, God, that your Spirit would give us conviction and wisdom. Father, would you make us increasingly humble, quick to pray, quick to listen, quick to go to you in all things. Give us a boldness, Lord, to look to other people and say, behold, let us give us wisdom in our lives when we struggle this week to take a moment and stop and behold the Lamb. We do love you, and it's a privilege to know you and to be bonded together as a congregation, unashamed to proclaim your glory. For it is the gospel, it is the power to save to everyone who believes. We love you. We give you glory this morning in Jesus Christ and all God's people said together. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing?